we as human beings are not meant to hold all of our stuff inside. Like if we can't even agree to facts, then how do we get to truth? Two parts to that. One is practice, practice, practice. And two is... (laughs) Number two is the biggie, by the way. So listen closely to this episode of Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. For this podcast, I sat down with Nicole Miller, and she's one of the owners of Brave Spaces Counseling and Wellness in La Crosse. And it was kind of a party. It just happened to work out that my wife, Sarah, and my daughter, Sydney, were both with me. And so we all four sat down, and the three adults shared a bottle of wine during this conversation. And did we talk about a lot of stuff? What do you think of the word normal? What do you think of the word should or shouldn't? What do you think about asking for help? We talked about all of those things and a lot more, and this is just part one of my conversation with Nicole. I have a feeling this is one of those conversations that will really get you thinking, so stick around. I'm Ken Cooper. I'll be back with Nicole Millerin on Around River City. Whether you're a seasoned chef or just starting your culinary journey, Cooley Region Cooks is your new podcast resource. Discover new techniques. Hear from local culinary heroes who are mastering the art of the kitchen. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 on WIZM. Stream your favorite cooking tips, local chef interviews, and mouth-watering recipes on the WIZM app. Or find us on your favorite podcast platform. Stay updated and engaged by following us on Facebook. Just search Cooley Region Cooks today. This is Around River City, and I'm Ken Cooper, this time around talking with Nicole Millerin. She is one of the owners of Brave Spaces Counseling and Wellness. Sometimes I know exactly how I want to start a conversation with someone, and sometimes I really don't. Why don't we just, should we just kind of stumble into a conversation? Yeah, let's start. Um, We are sitting at Brave Spaces... Is there more to the name than just Brave Spaces? Counseling and Wellness. Counseling and Wellness. And uh, chatting with Nicole Millerin. I Before I forget, yes. it kind of surprised me about the name is Brave Spaces. I The first time I looked you up, I had it in my head that it was Safe Spaces, oh. which would have been, which I think is the more obvious choice. Yeah. So I've been wanting to ask you how you mm. came upon Brave Spaces. Yeah. So actually, my wife came up with it. And um, we were rebranding because we used to be called Infinity Training and Consulting. And when we were going to add the therapy piece, we thought that's a good time to to think about rebranding and expanding. Yeah. That's an extreme and, rebrand. I mean, yeah. that's a I get a whole different feeling. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and being in therapy can be so vulnerable for people. And I think that the minute that you cross this threshold to do some personal work, you've already stepped into bravery. And so it's about letting people know that this is a space to be brave and be vulnerable. We, I often think of vulnerability as our, one of our greatest strengths. Um, our culture and maybe families or, you know, society has created this idea that vulnerability is like an Achilles heel. Like, I can't be vulnerable. I can't share my feelings. I can't um, share that I have flaws. And 
I personally and professionally share with people that I think vulnerability is our strength. Vulnerability says, I'm human too. I'm not above you. I'm not above the law. Um, there's nothing you know, necessarily special about me because I too screw up. Look, the phrase, it's brave to ask for help. Yeah. Asking for help is mm-hmm. actually a brave thing. Yeah, for sure. Why is there a societal, I guess I assume it's societal, uh, thing against therapy and mm. asking for help? Yeah. Why? And it's it goes into the concept of should and shouldn't. So much of our lives are ruled by what should or shouldn't happen mm-hmm. or what we should or shouldn't do or like sure. or how we should or shouldn't act. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do we do that to ourselves and then tell <laughs> ourselves we shouldn't ask for help? Yeah. So I think to, to answer the first part is why maybe um, people think therapy is taboo or that's not, that's not acceptable. It One, it might depend on race. Certainly um, Caucasian groups um, embrace therapy more readily than others. Um, the uh, black culture, any, uh, you know, black or Latinx culture do not um, go to therapy or seek therapy as often. Um, the other part of seeking therapy, whether or not it's racial or cultural, is that piece about vulnerability, right? I I can do this. I'm not going to pay someone to tell me the things I already know. <laughs> right. Um, well, yeah, people work it out in their head to, well, they're just going to tell me this and this and this, so why bother going? Yes, right. And if that were true, that we could work our way out of our issues, we wouldn't have addictions, we wouldn't have divorce, we wouldn't have all kinds of problems. Um, <laughs> so the, we're all living proof that we need help. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um Culture, the monk, or the um, Amish culture. They certainly um, usually. I shouldn't say you know, like one hundred percent. Usually, um, work through their issues internally within their family system. But there is still a talking, right? Is that are you saying that or? Um, I'm not an expert at, by far about the Amish culture, but what I know is most of what they do, they do and take care of within their families yeah um so and even in uh white society the majority of of clients are female so even though we've got a gender so we've got a racial disparity we've got gender disparity um and i also think then there's this familial piece about um talking about feelings so therapy is about talking about my feelings, my experiences, my thoughts, and depending on families, how um, supported or encouraged was that. For families where that's not encouraged, not supported, you're less likely to come to therapy because that's exactly what you're going to do. And so you'd be more likely then to turn to alternative means. Um, And unfortunately, we as human beings are not meant to hold all of our stuff inside to hold all of our thoughts, all of our feelings. And so what ends up happening is we will resort to something else to cover it up, to avoid it, or to run away from it. Drugs, alcohol, some level of addiction, so that we don't have to face the very thing that we actually need to do, which is talk about our thoughts and feelings. So if I were to just throw at you a couple of myth perspectives 
then you can respond with what sure. the reality is. Um, and I'm just making these up off the top of my head. <laughs> um, why should I pay someone just to listen to me talk? Mm. They just want to listen to me talk so they can judge me. Oh, two separate things. Why should I pay someone to listen to me talk? Um, multiple answers. One is some people don't have anyone to talk to. And so literally once a week, somebody's got space to be able to share and talk about their thoughts and feelings because they're so isolated. They're so alone. Um, so that could be one piece. The other piece is why pay someone to tell me something am I already going to know? Or I already know? Um, knowing and doing are two separate things. Do we know, though? I think for the most part. I mean, there's a there's a there's a there's certainly a group who do know and there's a group who don't know. So let's go with the group who do know, right? I, li- I usually talk about weight loss. It's pretty simple. I think from the majority of us, we know how to lose weight right? It's what is our movement and what is our intake? Now, do we have other factors like thyroid issues, genetic issues, um, menopause, you know, those kind of things. Um, However, even with that knowledge, we know what to do with it, right? Mm -hmm. We can gain that knowledge. But do we do it, (laughs) right? So some people need that extra person not to necessarily tell tell me what I already know it's that accountability and the help me through the fact of I know this information let's say I want to you know if I were obese and I needed to lose 100 pounds to save my life right or to whatever I know what I the educational piece the psychoeducation part of it I need you to help me understand what's getting in my way from doing the very things that I know would help me. So So why am I standing in my own way? Yes. And that's the clarity that people don't know necessarily. And that's the therapeutic process of how can I help you get to a place of seeing what you can't see right now. And then secondarily, not only getting you to the place of that you can see what you don't see is, um, Along that journey, there's going to be lots of feelings and thoughts about why I've blocked, what I've blocked, what's getting in my way. Hmm. And to hold, to create a space is such a gift as a therapist, to create a space where people can be that vulnerable, to be that raw and real. Can you sense it when somebody makes that realization? And oh, yeah. You can see it on their face. Even verbalizing, you know, they're just like, oh, my God, I'd never thought of that before. Or um, I had a gentleman today. He said, um, I had to write this down, Nicole, because I had to tell myself, even as how embarrassing as this is, I needed to tell Nicole this. So he had to write it down to convince himself, to hold himself accountable, to tell me the very thing that he couldn't say out loud. And he said it. Well, and the writing made it tangible. Yes. Holding himself to... You know, and this is a place to speak your truth and or find the truth because sometimes the truth is the very thing that's been so difficult for all, you know, for many of us. Um, I can't face it. So we were talking about this a little earlier before we started recording. Uh, My wife, Sarah, is here. My daughter, Sydney, is here. Uh, And we're here with, uh, we have a bottle of wine. 
which I think most conversations should happen with a bottle of wine. Which would be nice, right? Yeah. As long as um, we don't have issues with wine. Right. But we were talking about truth. So, simple question. I'm sure you can answer it in five words or less. What is truth? Mm. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's five a big, wor- I'm like, five question. words or less. That yeah. is a huge question. Well, and what we, what we talked about earlier, I, I do appreciate that um, we all might have our own truths about a situ- uh, about a situation or a circumstances, um, and how do we live our own truth? I, I think that uh, hopefully is something that we strive for. I'm living the truth that that is healthy and good for myself, but hopefully my truth that's good for me is also good for the people around me, my family, my co- my community. Um, but unfortunately, some people's truths are detrimental to others. Right. So I didn't do that in five words or less. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I was I was being facetious, but can a is it appropriate, or can a truth, someone's truth, be wrong? Mm. Yeah. When I think about um, people, like politically, right? They certainly say this is the truth of something that happened. When we know that factually, it's not the truth, and so much so, you know, like right now, unfortunately, the truth. You know, somebody might say the truth is the FBI is going crossing boundaries the truth is the fbi you know did a search unwarranted right and so that's my truth and because of that i hate the fbi and i'm gonna harm someone right because i'm so convinced of my truth that i'm such a patriot that i need to go to war against someone i mean we can get i think people Mm -hmm. can get so delusional in believing their truths and you tell me if i'm accurate or not that I, it seems to me like there is one set of facts. This thing happened. Mm-hmm. And truth is our individual interpretation of the facts. Yeah. Is that anywhere yeah. close to? I think that, in my opinion anyway, right? We just have two opinions here, four actually. Um, so certainly, but I think that what's been interesting over the last several years is people then even doubt the facts. Yeah, and that that gets then really watery. Like if we can't even um, agree to facts, right? What mm-hmm. then? How do we get to truth? I think we better take a wine break. Yeah, take a sip, sip on that one. Wow. Nicole Millerin from Brave Spaces Counseling and Wellness with me on Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. We'll be right back. This is Around River City. It's the podcast about people and events and businesses all around the area. You can find us at AroundRiverCity.com. You can get great information about all sorts of things happening around the area at AroundRiverCity.com as well. And you can download the podcast free anywhere you get your podcasts. And a good idea is to subscribe to the podcast. That's free as well, but you'll get a notification every time we have a new episode. So let's get back to this conversation I had over a glass of wine with Nicole Millerin at Brave Spaces Counseling and Wellness. And one thing I had to straighten out was a different perspective that each of us had on a very tiny word with big implications. The first time we met, we talked business for about four minutes and then had a wonderful conversation for about 45. And I was literally shocked 
when you disagreed with me about something. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not surprised that people disagree with me. There's two people sitting here that do it all the time. <laughs> but I had said that my favorite question was, why? And you said something to the effect of, oh my gosh, well, actually that that is a very defensive word. It puts people on their back heels and gets them defensive. Right. And I thought about that for days. And I was rethinking every conversation that I've ever had that involved the word why mm. and wondering if I had been doing damage rather than rather than uh, engaging in an opening you know of a conversation and an opening of ideas sure and I think is it possible that we're thinking about using the word why in different ways sure I'm thinking of it at, when I use it as well most of the time anyway as in uh, why is the sky blue? Why, why, you know, why are we here? Mm. Why, you know, why mm -hmm. those kinds of questions? Yeah. And I and my guess is in your line of work, it does tend to be more of a confrontational. Yes. Why are you an asshole? Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> why did you make that choice? Why, why did, did you, you stay? That? Why did you go? So why did? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can we both be right then? Sure. Well, don't just well, be nice. Yeah, don't be no. polite. Uh, well, because I think um, the context in which you're using why um, is global, and you're and it's no one's accountable to your to your why. Why is the sky blue? No one's accountable to that except for God. So I think about when you ask more a broad stroke why, people then get it's about curiosity. Um, relationally, why often puts us on defensive. Right, so I'd be like, Sydney, why are you highlighting that? Oh, um. <laughs> boy, see, I get it. <laughs> because now you have to, um, you know, the the person justify, has to justify, sure. right? And um, especially in relationships, like I, I want you to understand me. I don't want to have to justify this piece about what's happening. And so, um, when, even in therapy, oftentimes. Um, you know, I'll, it's it's a way to get to the why, but it's through a different way of questioning, such as, tell me more about that. Um, that I'm really curious about that answer, or I'm, I'm curious about that choice. So it lowers someone's defensive um, defenses that I have to justify it versus now you've just let me, hopefully, you've just let me know that you're curious about my experience versus I have to defend my experience. So when I'm in a situation like the type that you're talking about where defenses are involved, what is a better way, I don't want to say to ask that question, or mm -hmm. what is a better question to ask, yeah. or is yeah. a question even appropriate? Tell me more about that. That's How's perfect. That? Yeah, because then it's ex it's expanding on what that person did or said or thought. And that's really what the why is, mm -hmm. right? When we say, well, why did you do that? We're really asking, I, I don't understand, right? Tell me more. Um, but the tell me more um, allows us, to, hopefully, to listen for the other person to feel more comfortable to talk. Well, so, okay, so this brings me to uh, kind of a sub-question then. How do we in our brain, in the moment, 
bypass the why, (laughs) that is an emotional response to something probably, and get to the tell me more about that. Yeah. Two, Two parts to that. One is practice, practice, practice. And two is when the why comes out, you can say, you know what, actually, can you tell me more? We can just stop the why even after we've said it because we're catching ourselves and thinking, you know what, I want to actually just, can you tell me more about that? And even just shifting into that second sentence, hopefully the person's like, okay, I'll tell you more. Because that shows that you're interested in Mm -hmm. their feelings. Yeah. And you probably should sincerely be interested in their feelings. Hopefully. (laughs) If you're, right. (laughs) If you're a nice person, I guess. And relation, I mean, but even if, you know, when I think about some of the things that we've gone over the last three years, I mean, I think about, I put them in three categories. We've got political divide, we've got racial divide, especially with um, George Floyd, and then we have the pandemic. Lots of opinions about that, right? I just had a session yesterday um, where a young man, you know, he's 39, um, still believes that it's not healthy to get the vaccination. And we talked about how um, divisive that has been in his family, that it, because his mom believes in the vaccination and he doesn't, and how many people have asked him why over the course of the two and a half years, and how much he has had to defend and get pretty bristly about it, um, versus um, I believe in the vaccination, I've been vaccinated, I've been boosted, but as I talk with him, it's not about me telling him what I believe. If I'm truly asking why, it's really understanding and similar to what Sari said is tell me more about that. And how do I get to the core of how is he believing, right? How, where, where is he gathering information? Where, and his experiences, Right, So we get so much more about how people come to their decisions when we ask, tell me more about that. Or we might say, um, you know, this, it's harder for me to understand. And really, I, I'd actually like to understand. And again, that puts me at a look, you know, like kind of down a notch, right? To say, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not my opinion or my belief or my actions aren't better than yours. I'm just saying they're different than mine and help me understand maybe where you're coming from. Maybe equally as hard a part of that process would be actually then listening to what the person says and opening your mind enough to acknowledge the fact that you might learn something and you might learn a valid perspective. The other thing um, I, I believe that we need to open not just our mind is we need to open our ears. Because the more emotional we get, the deafer we become. What does that mean? So the more emotional I am about a situation, so let's take somebody who, you know, on the political side. I believe this person, you believe that person. Nope, this is why I'm right. Now I'm getting more emotional. Now the more emotional I get, the more I need to tell you why my person is better than yours and why I you know, believe this or stand for this or whatever. Now I'm really emotional. I'm less likely to hear, really hear why you believe what you believe. 
so I get deafer. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes. I get that more deaf. That, it makes it makes sense. Okay, I, I just want to jump in here really quick because uh, at this part of the conversation, I talked about something and brought up a situation, and I foolishly mentioned a couple of names that I realized, ooh, I really don't want to do that. So to give you the gist of what I was saying, I know two people who frustrate me in the same way. They are on opposite ends of the political spectrum, about as extreme as you can get. And they both frustrate me in the same way. And now we can get back to the actual conversation. The, the way I've compared the two of them, and I've said this to them both, is that they're, they're, they're both shouting the same argument, mm. but from different mountaintops. And that is, yeah. I'm right and you're bad. Mm. <laughs> and they, so they're, it's not necessarily what each of them thinks that I find offensive. Sure. It's how they express it and their unwillingness to listen to anything else. Yeah. Well, and I think that is something that I have been interested as we've, you know, watched this past two and a half years over these um, topics, is how mean people have gotten towards each other. I I think before this two and a half years happened, we wouldn't have heard the type of things or people referenced or um, things said in relationships or in families the way that people say them now even on ads i think oh my gosh did they really just say that did they really have a an ad about you know um just being mean and and you know one of the things that's that i find also appalling is the ads are done by adults the political sphere is adults and we are not adulting well. We are being very mean to each other. And um, families have separated because of these three areas over the past two and a half years. And children are watching. Mm -hmm. And we tell them, talk nice to each other. Be friends with so-and-so. Share your toys. You know, like everybody. You know, or what? maybe that's not the message that all families give. But... Um, the things that we teach our children, we as adults are not doing. We would never, now I'm going to go on a little tirade, so you might okay. choose to cut this one out. But I often think if we had to hire a principal or someone, let's use a principal. If we had to hire a principal and they said, um, okay, this candidate is really good and he is or she is going to find money for the school district and we are going to maintain jobs. Um, but, you know, something that's come out is um, this person did have an affair um, and is misogynistic and um, does sometimes make fun of races um, and isn't very accepting of people with differing abilities. But your school will get a lot of money and um, we won't be bullied um, by other schools. So we're, we're going to be the top school. How many people would hire that principal? Am I supposed to answer? Yeah. I think a lot would. You think so? I, well, I, I think within the mentality of the way people think these days. Over the last two and a half years, let's yeah. say five years ago. 
No, I, I, I you know, do you see where yeah, I'm those, coming right, from? Right, right, right. I mean, how we wouldn't? I, I still think that we we would hi, we would put a, a principal or a clergy, or though let's just say those two. I think we would put them to a higher standard than we have maybe our pres- presidency. Yes. <laughs> so we would never hire a pre- principal to a school, but people in. Um, the adults that are on the news, that are on Twitter, on you know anywhere that kids can be exposed to, see adults not being very good to each other. So how this person represents us is as important as the results that person gets for us. Oh, is that? I think it's even more important, and, and the reason why is the results they get for us are only maybe these four years or eight years but how they represent is for all the generations saying what am i going to do when i grow up how am i going to be on the on the football field the basketball court how am i going to be in school that goes well far beyond the four years of presidency or the eight years so i think the way they represent themselves far outweighs what that person politically could give us. Here's here's my theory. I think that the 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 social aspects of being a human being go beyond our biology and our biology is is just kind of who we are. And humans have the ability to think beyond their biology. But it takes constant effort. Like you talked earlier about losing weight. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't do me any good to lose 100 pounds if I, at that point, go back to the all of the behaviors that, that yes. made me need to lose it. Mm-hmm. It takes constant effort like a marriage. It takes, it takes work. It takes constant effort. And sometimes I think we're just too damn lazy to put in that effort to be good social creatures. Yeah. It that is. sounds very negative. <laughs> it's a lot of work to to adult. And sometimes we are just too lazy. But that doesn't mean I mean that we can have a day off <laughs> from being, you know, conscious and aware and mindful. But how many days off do we take? And that's I think the demise of you know what we're trying to do i think we'll go back to the to the book robert fulgram um everything i oh yeah, need yeah, to, yeah. i learned in kindergarten, in kindergarten yeah, yeah. yeah um always stop if, at a lemonade stand right what if we just went back to so when you talk about you know can we change this or or create we can't we always have the potential to create a new pattern in the way that we relate to ourselves um th- those close to us and the world if we are willing to one go let's go back to being vulnerable um two is can we really connect to our thoughts and feelings and three is are we going to actually do the work Ooh, that seems like the hard part Mm -hmm. because i have a membership at the y (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how to turn on the treadmill right (laughs) yeah Nicole Millerin from Brave Spaces Counseling and Wellness. I'm Ken Cooper, and this is Around River City. We'll be right back. Okay, next big philosophical, psychological issue. This 
the dangers of the myth of normal. Mm, yeah. I mean, as you as you look at it now, it just seems so ridiculous that we ever even created an idea of normal. It's like perfect. It doesn't exist. Right. Why did we do that? <laughs> yeah. My first thought is we are definitely a kind of a clan and a group culture, right? And so if the four of us sitting here, I have to create a normalcy and then person number five comes in and they don't fit us. I don't know what to do with that because that makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to call that person not normal, right? Because I need to, I need to feel comfortable. And so we have. So it's like a defense mechanism almost, a safety mechanism. Yep. Because anyone that's anything that's new or, or novel or different, I don't know how to, how to approach that? I don't know how to interact with that person. That doesn't they might make be sense a danger to me. To our group might, and and as a survival, right? You know, back when we were hunters and gatherers, um, new and atypical, right? Um, wasn't health wasn't um, supportive of me continuing to survive, right? Because if you didn't think like me and you didn't hunt like me, I might not survive. Right, I have to survive, and we have to hunt the same. We have to think the same. We have to go out the same. So um, that's my first response of why we have, um, you know, that word normal, right? Um, but I think it's interesting. This generation is, re- I think, really stretching our um, thought about what normal is, especially when they start changing gender pronouns, right? Like they're saying. Th- we are actually going to push you further from what's normal and say there isn't normal. And why do we need that? Mm -hmm. Right. I don't even want you to define me as, you know, one gender or the other. There's a lot of safety in categorizing and being, because we do that in our lives. I mean, I think we, we like humans are attracted to patterns and I think categories are patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, But it takes a lot of, uh, I guess, bravery, like we mentioned earlier, to choose not to be categorized because you're almost giving up all of the safety that's built into that categorization. Yeah. Yep. And we would have to, again, take the time to get to know about that other person that doesn't fit our, quote, normal. Is there anything you don't want to be? Mm. Ah, Stereotyped. Mm. Is is that another word for judged? I th- I wonder. Yeah. Because most, I see very little positive stereotyping. Most of the stereotyping right. I hear about is negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, judgment I think is so strong, and again, I I think that that's come out even more. And um, when we can um, get to a place of, I am not going to put you into a category. I I'm going to try to take out the word why, so you're not in, on a defensive mode, and I'm going to look beyond your behaviors. So the other message that I like to say is um, behaviors are messages. So I think we all have certain behaviors or the way we act or the way something that we do, and if it's not very nice or very becoming of us, th- it, I, I would hope that the other person would be a step back and say, whoa, what's that about? But unfortunately, we can often get triggered 
And then we might say, oh my gosh, that person's being such a jerk because it's about my behavior versus saying, hmm, I wonder what's going on for that person. And a lot of things, I think in relationships, there's a lot of things that, let's say, I will perceive as an action by the other person, but for them, it's actually a reaction to something they've received from me. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think most things that we perceive as actions from other people are actually reactions. They might be reactions to something that has nothing to do with me. Yes. It might be reactions to something that happened 25 years ago, or it might be a reaction to 100 different things, Yeah. Uh, including the person at uh, Quick Trip uh, scratching off their little card at the counter while I'm sitting there waiting. <laughs> yeah, and, and which leads us to think so much is about us. And if we could just like get off our high horses and say, it's probably not about me. All right, tell you what, when we come back, we're going to dive into Nicole the person. Okay. And we will be coming back to my conversation with Nicole Millerin in part two of this episode of Around River City. You can find Around River City anywhere you download your podcasts and you can subscribe. That's free to do and get an alert every time we post a new episode. And make sure to join me for part two of my conversation with Nicole Millerin, one of the owners of Brave Spaces Counseling and Wellness in La Crosse. I'm Ken Cooper, and this is Around River City.